I think for a long time, it was kind of a wasteland for developer tools because there was a belief that developers would never pay for them. Right, right. Uh, I still have my email from Paul Graham saying developers don't pay for things. Building software is a lot more than just coding. The people who are developers has like radically changed in like five or six years. How one sells to developers, how one thinks of a developer, like it's all completely changed. And it makes like having a dev tools company like kind of challenging. This is the golden age of having a developer tools company. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of Dark. I'm Edith Harva, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by Heavybit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. So what is DevTools? <laughs> Do we have any idea what, what DevTools is anymore? Is that grammar? I think so. I didn't hyphenate it. Is that what's wrong? Isn't it what DevTools are? No, no. DevTools itself is the word, and that's a singular. Like, the, I'm not saying I don't know what developer tools are. I'm saying I don't know what the DevTools space is. Oh, well, that's yeah. why I was trying to clarify your grammar. Okay, yeah. Usually, that, that, that was ambiguous. I, I see it now. Usually you were very precise. So uh, I was very precise. Okay, so can yeah. you, uh, for the, for the at home audience, can you explain what you mean? So we're in, I don't know, the fourth or fifth wave of dev tools, and, or at least in, in, my, in my. More if you count Visual Basic. Yeah, so like I'm 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 thinking in my own memory. So like I'm I'm counting like the first wave of like dev tools companies as GitHub and Heroku, which, which sort of shows my age. Like you know, there was definitely like BA WebLogic and and Pure and that sort of thing in the '90s, and I know nothing about them. So we're just we'll just say starting in like you know, the mid 2000s, and and there's this like huge ecosystem and stuff built around Heroku and GitHub, and then then the next generation I'm going to claim is Circle CI, mm. and and the the tools of around that time, and then. And I know there's been like three generations since, and like there's dev tools popping up everywhere, and everything is a dev tool. And like YC has a dev tools category, and what has changed as well as the uh, the existence of them is like the the marketing channel, the people who are developers has like radically changed in like five or six years. How one sells to developers, how one thinks of a developer, like it's all completely changed. And and it makes like having a dev tools company like kind of challenging. I have many thoughts. Excellent. I'd say first, uh, this is the golden age of having a developer tools company. Sure, sure. Developers only have access to budget. Mm-hmm. Developers can use SaaS tools. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of awesome supporters like Heavybit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That have a ton of great content mm-hmm. just on how to build a developer tool company. Is all the content still relevant? I don't know if it's still relevant, but there's kernels mm, for sure. Like, like for even sure, in yeah. podcasts we did four years ago, yeah. like some of them, I'm like, that's not relevant. Some, some is brilliant. Like yeah. I, I still go back and watch occasionally. Like um, Jason Lemkin did a talk here on enterprise sales. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I go back and I'm like, this is gold. Yeah. Javier Saltero did a heavy bit talk mm-hmm. on board meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, th- th- those probably apply to to non-developer tools as well. Uh, I think for a long time. It was kind of a, a wasteland for developer tools because mm-hmm. there was a belief that developers would never pay for them. Right, right. I still have my email from Paul Graham saying developers don't pay for things. Have you blown it up and framed it on the side of your wall? No, just because I'm I'm depressed about that whole part of the world. I used to look up to Paul Graham. Now I don't, and like I, I just find every time he tweets, it's just like fucking. Uh, Eye rolling, and so let, let's just move All on right, from we'll just, that. We'll just, yeah, we'll yeah, just, yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. move on. 
it was really flattering. Uh, there was a company which is starting in a developer tools company. Mm-hmm. And they wrote me and they said, they emailed me and they said, uh, Launch Darkly has shown that one can really build a successful developer tools company. Okay. And that's part of why we're starting our company is that you've shown us this way. And I, I and you were like, are we really developer tools? Is that, is that- <laughs> well, no, I, I, I always just had this warm, happy part yeah, of my no, it's, heart it's, that had really nothing to do with the chili I'd just eaten. Mm-hmm. It was warm. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. It is nice to get those emails. Yeah, so I, I think to put it in perspective, like five years ago there was this perception that developers will not pay money. Uh, yes, I, I think that wasn't true five years ago. It was true ten. The, there was a perception, or was it true? I believe there was still a perception. Five seems a little short for me, so I might quibble and call it seven. Yeah, but I think there was we, still we, a perception, can... but it was it was untrue. Whereas it was actually true like ten years ago. Yeah, I, I think let's well let's agree on ten years ago. Ten years ago it was like well it's open source. There was just this repetition of the word open source, open mm-hmm. source, open source. Ever right, like right, there was right. this incantation. People were making products out of things, and everyone was claiming like that should be a library. Uh, we'll, this, we'll just open source this so nobody will ever pay. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think what the last, depending on whether you want 10, 7, or 5 years, has shown is that people will mm-hmm. pay for developer tools. I, I actually think that people won't pay for developer tools. Oh. I think that people pay a lot less than you think. And the people will pay for services, mm. but not the tool. So CircleCI gets paid basically for infrastructure. Mm. And there's a subset of of the money that we make where we sell to enterprise who who do pay for the software itself. But I think that for the most part, people are paying for a service and not so much for tools. I think we're kind of dancing on the head of a pin right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's a delicate thing of like what is the thing, but like people I don't think would pay Launch Darkly for the Launch Darkly library. What they pay for is the fact that that you run and operate this service for them, and it is cheaper to pay you to operate the service than it is to operate the service themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with you, and I'll even expand. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what what people pay us for is that we have an always up API. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it just works. Yeah, that we have libraries for the languages they want. Yeah. And that we're continuing to invest in that platform, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a really important part: the continuing to invest in that platform is the having your tooling be sustainable. And yeah. we, we talked about this in, in the open source episode. Like, it's very hard to have your tooling be sustainable. But the people don't want to pay for a thing where they don't actually like get the value. So it has to be that that the tools that we make are packaged in a way where people feel there's actual value being provided, such as hosting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as an engineer, I love selling to engineers because mm-hmm. they're very honest. That's very applicable. You know, so they'll say stuff like, um, and I take this as a compliment, they're mm-hmm. like, well, we could build about half of what you have, mm-hmm. but it would take us this much time, and then we know you're going to keep building this other stuff that we just mm-hmm. can't keep up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Launch Darkly is like if statements as a service, right? Yeah, but a lot of really fancy if statements fancy all layered together yeah, at yeah. a trillion a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a trillion a day now. A trillion with a wow. T. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so sure, uh, the Launch Darkly that we started off with six years ago, mm-hmm. somebody could build that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the Launch Dark we have now, mm-hmm. that is yeah. very hard to build. Yeah, have a have a very similar feeling about Dark. That like I mean I, I think actually it would have been it would have been hard for people to build what dark was even several years ago, but like 
there's a lot of pressure. People want it to be like open source, and they want like you know to avoid vendor lock-in and that sort of thing. And I, th- I think those are like very very valid uh, concerns. But of course, the thing that people need more than anything is like a sustainable ecosystem. And sustainable ecosystem takes revenue, and so revenue has to be like a t- like a business model has to be attached to anything that you want to keep alive. And more than anything, we want we want Dart to succeed. Our customers want Dart to to stay around, um, and it is entirely plausible. That we choose a business model which does not allow that, uh, and so we, you know, one has to be very careful that that they choose a business model that does. Yeah, I remember in the early days of the company, people would ask for an on-prem version, mm-hmm. and they didn't really understand it because it didn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, we're worried you're going to go out of business." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And we don't really get that question anymore. Yeah, we had a similar thing at Circle, and just like when we grew, it went away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so now. I'm sure it's still a checklist somewhere of mm-hmm. do they seem legit? Yes yeah. or no. Well, it's funny. I, I talked to I talked to a company last night. It's called To Desktop, mm-hmm. uh, and what it does is it, you put in a URL and you get a downloadable Electron app of your SaaS app, and, and it seems like a hugely valuable thing. Except that, like, you know, what if they went away? Yeah. And so we we were talking about like how they could like align their business in a way that like you know avoids that problem, avoids that question is like is like more adoptable. But like the value of it is so clear, and yet at the same time, I would never buy it in its current form because of that fear. Well, I think everybody has gotten burned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people will not stop mentioning that Google shuts down services. Yeah, I think uh, Google. I don't know if they intentionally shoot themselves in the foot, but they shoot themselves in the foot. They really do. Like they must be aware of the zeitgeist about a Google thing, and certainly for Google Cloud, like Google Cloud is really suffering because of what the mothership has done in the past. Well, something leaked at an internal meeting. They said this needs to get to this state, mm-hmm. or we're going to shut it down. Well, so and which I think they meant to be motivational internally. I, of yeah. like, you need to get to here, or we're going to shut you down. But yeah. like to leak out to the market is this horrible ripple. Well, I, I looked at the wording, and I think that that was like that. That was a little bit of extrapolation. My recollection of, of what happened is is that they said you need to get here. And with this sort of unstated or else, well, but yeah. like there, so it's, it's kind of like the you know nice story you got there. But like there, shame obvi- if anything happens to it. I, it is obviously a thing where like a company like Google must talk about like when are we going to stop investing in this thing. But at the same time, like I, I can't imagine a world in which in which Google shuts down Google Cloud. I, I think the the issue with Google is also its strength mm-hmm. is that they throw off such. An amount of cash from their yeah. core advertising business. Yeah, yeah. Google for, is is weird and fucked as a result of that. So, like for every other business, they're like, "Oh, you're only making two billion dollars." Yeah. Well, we make eight hundred billion on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, everything else is so dwarfed. Yeah. I mean, it's like when Facebook bought Parse. They bought this like little strategic thing, uh, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we decided to go in a different direction. Kill it." Yeah. But I, I do think that developer tools now are in a better place than they ever were before. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's interesting about it is the people who are developers and the communities of developers. So, like in, in 2011, when we started Circle, we got customers by going to meetups. Meetups aren't really a thing in the same way anymore, or like they're much more like spread out and across like different topics. It, it is harder to like go to a meetup and get customers out of it. Well, it's like any marketing channel; it gets saturated mm, yeah. and and it loses its effect. Mm-hmm. Like there was a time when you could have a meetup and everybody's like, "Oh, 
Yeah, people were excited to come to your meetup. We tried them too, and it was just like, wow! Every it was a time in San Francisco where every dev tool company is like, let's yeah. have meetups because this mm-hmm. works for Y company. Yeah. So at any given night, there was probably twenty different meetups going on mm-hmm. in the city. Yeah, all, all with like the same bad pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also saw the rotation of people who would come just for the pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think like that doesn't happen that much anymore, as far as I can tell. But then you have new things like Twitch streaming of coding. Who knew that people would like watch people code on the internet? Well, if you've ever done pair programming, you're not new to that. Not new. To, I mean, there's quite a difference between like, I mean, pair programming is like you know everyone waiting their turn to like you know, be the fucking driver again because this person is like typing wrong. <laughs> How can you right? type wrong? Do you, have, you, have you not pair programmed with someone? Everyone you pair program is like, it's like no, do you not have a keystroke for that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't. I have a shortcut set up for that. How could you not? Do, do you just like type this shit out every time, like like a like a peasant? You like a back seat. Back seat, yeah. I could just picture you next to somebody. Uh, like, so we, we we had a fun experience on Friday night, where just when we were like just towards the end of work, it was like kind of four p.m. or something like that. These two developers who had just got access to Dark, and this is a uh, Avdi Grim, who's a small talker, like you know. Known in in the in, in that sort of community, and uh, Jessitron, who's a yeah you know, well known developer, tried out Dark for the first time on Twitch, and so like we're watching this, and you know there's there's other people watching it, and like we're like oh you know there's there's twenty or thirty people that are that are watching this thing and hearing about Dark, and then we see you know there's a bug there, and we're like oh no oh my god don't don't type that no 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 no. And like we, it was it was like really tough watching. And, th- and at the end of it, it was it was like it was all good in the end. You know, there's some bugs, but like they get, they got around the bugs. And, and you know, they spent an hour you know, building something with dark, and then they they went to fix some docs, and then they spent an hour trying to set up a Docker container. And we felt very good about like you know, the, the the relative value of that they got from like those two segments of programming. Paul, you've invented the usability test. I mean, usability tests via people. Twitch streaming to their to their fans or whatever. But that's that's what a usability test is. You you watch somebody do it. Yeah, but they're not usually streaming to their fans. Yeah, but like I mean, people have been doing that for the the streaming. I, I, I grant you is it is it is the streaming that is new. The usability test for sure is of, a, of like sitting there. And the most painful thing is like. When you have built this thing and you're so proud of it, and you're like, "It's right there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's right there. Oh my god! Just, just, just click there. Like you just, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, like yeah, you just yeah, rolled yeah. over it. Roll back. Yeah. <laughs> Did you not see? Oh my god! Did you not see? Yeah. And especially when uh, you encourage, do you encourage them to talk aloud? I mean, we don't encourage them. It's their stream. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're like they're not on our channel. This is their channel. Yeah, but when you encourage somebody to talk aloud when they're doing something, they're like, "I don't know where this is. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll go up to this menu." You're like, "It is." <laughs> <laughs> The especially frustrating one is like hitting a bug that has been fixed but hasn't been merged yet. Oh, yeah, just or or like you know the integration tests are failing for some reason, and so we haven't pressed merge in this thing. It's like no, we we could have yeah they could have had this problem go away. Yeah, there's nothing more fun. A heat map and a usability test mm-hmm. are worth like fifty yeah. sometimes internal discussions. How many programming languages do you think have ever been usability tested? I know that Logo was meant for small children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe academic languages might have been. Like Logo, Scheme, I know were meant to be more teaching languages. I'd, I'd be shocked if Scheme was, was usability tested. I could be wrong. 
this is one of the fun things about Dark that like we're showing it to like strangers and then they're like trying and then we see all the problems that everyone has and then we're like, all right, let's let's change this. Did you know they were gonna live stream it or did it work? No, no, they, we we saw them tweet about it. Oh. Yeah, we pretty- yeah, we didn't know. We did tell people to like feel free to do that and like make videos of it, and we wanted them to send us videos so we could watch the videos of them using it. Which I guess we could record in the product, but like we don't have that set up at the moment, so we're looking for a lighter weight way of and it was exciting in the early days of Launch Darkly when people started doing unboxings. Unboxing of Launch Darkly? Yeah, of like setting up their first feature flag. Oh, interesting. I, I've never heard of, of an unboxing of a dev tool before. You, you know what an unboxing is? I, I have yeah. seen the, the seven year old who makes like 24 million unboxing toys or whatever. Yeah, they're like, here I am putting together this feature flag. Look at me. Uh huh. And it's really on, fun. On, on Twitch? Not on Twitch, but uh, they'll, they'll record a demo video and then tweet it. Okay, okay. It's funny, the early days of Launch Darkly were incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. We had a really hard time getting adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. And I remember um, Circle CI was a super early customer. And uh, one of the designers posted a video for his parents. Uh, was oh, that Daniel? Yeah. Yeah. And it was what it felt like to release a feature. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, so picture this. He is the nicest guy on the planet, like a yeah, brilliant yeah. designer. Mm-hmm. And he posts this video of him, like being like, "This is what it feels like when you push something live." Uh-huh. And he pushes it live, and then he kind of makes like these happy gestures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got so much joy out of seeing that video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. But we we had so few users at the time, so mm-hmm. that we had users. What ones of users? Oh, we had hundreds, but that. Uh-huh. Somebody posting a, a video of how happy they were was a big yeah. deal for us. Yeah, we, we, we've just gotten to the, we're in the hundreds of users thing at the moment. It's a fun uh, stage. It's it's fun stage when you spend a long time getting there and suddenly you are there, then it, it is a good place to be. But like you forget the slog that it took to get to the hundreds of users stage. What was your slog? I mean, Dark is like three years old now and like we've just gotten to hundreds of users. Yeah, oh. I'm really repressing a couple jokes. Mm-hmm. What would the jokes be, Edith? Well, dark launching. Oh yeah, no, we, we had a launch party at Strange Loop in uh, in September, and I think you guys had a had a booth at Strange Loop. Yeah, it's and, the, and so someone from the booth complained that everyone was coming up to the booth to ask about dark. They didn't complain so much as like, hey, we're getting a lot of unexpected traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to come to your launch party. It's like, oh uh, yeah, no, that's that's the other people. That's the other people. Yeah, yeah, so. So to go back to the original thing, your original mm-hmm. statement was just like DevTools has changed. So I mean, so but for the better, in my opinion, I think it has changed for the better. I mean, I, I think one of the main ways that it has changed for the better is the people who are developers. Which isn't to say that like the people who were developers before were necessarily a bad bunch, but certainly were were a bit more homogenous than they are now. There used to be this perception, as we said before, that um, mm-hmm. developers can't or won't pay for tools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything has to be some crazy open source. So, so that's not the only thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, if if you think of the stereotype of developer from mm. from eight or ten years ago, it was you know sort of a basement dweller to a certain extent. They're like an angry asshole who like you know preached about open source and the GPL and and that sort of thing. And and that certainly wasn't like you know the 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 whole industry, but like there were there were many variations of of this stereotype. And and then there were also you know other people and i think that persona is is significantly less of the developers out there and there isn't a new dominant persona there are just like just many different people just a wider much much wider variety of people and i think it's great 
Yeah, so uh, one of the things we do at LaunchDarkly is we sponsor CodeNation. What's CodeNation? CodeNation is a program for high schoolers, mm-hmm. for high schools that can't afford a computer science class. Okay. So we have people from the company who go and teach them. Oh, that's cool. And then we also sponsor a class at mm-hmm. our office. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every Wednesday, oh. like 20 people come in and we teach them computer science. That's cool. And it makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. I initially felt kind of guilty about it. I'm like, are we just training people to be the next wave? But they really want to be there. Mm-hmm. Like they are um, people from poorer communities who mm-hmm. do not want to be left out. Nice, nice. Like they're like, we are seeing this wave of, mm-hmm. and we do not want to get left out. So I was really happy. Uh, one of the teachers just posted that our current class is 100% attendance. Oh, wow. Of 15 year olds. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's affiliated with the school, but they don't really get a grade. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I feel was like really associated with developers like 10 years ago. Was this idea that you had to like code in your spare time, and that like you know if you were like in it for the money or like you know for the career or something like that, you were in it for the wrong reasons? Uh, is, this, is this ringing any bells? You're you're, you're looking perplexed. I, I guess I'm from the wave before that. Okay, so what what was the wave before that? Oh, the dot comers. Oh right, where everyone was in it for the money. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder. I wonder then was was this a reaction to the to the dot com boom? I was in it because I loved software. Mm-hmm. No one is judging you if you don't love software. No, I mean, I could. Uh, it was funny actually. I really thought uh, so. I got an engineering and econ degree, mm-hmm. and I thought really hard about going into Wall Street. Yeah, because that was the other path I could have gone yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, the Wall Street firms recruited out of my college. Yeah, and I was like, you could have gone to Wall Street. You could have been the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> the Wolfette. <laughs> and, and I honestly like looked at the salary and I was like, well, I could make, and this is mine, you, this is back then. Yeah. I could make like 700, 800K a year mm. on Wall Street, but That's I. It's a lot of money. But uh, I want to go build stuff. Yeah. I uh, I interned at Barclays Capital, which is like in, in London, but you know, similar, similar sort of thing. And uh, they had a huge like technology section. And anytime we'd go to talks about technology, like internal talks, the questions would be like, you know, do people from your group get promoted to traders? And I'm like, what the fuck is this? What what, what are you even talking about? They they just gave a lovely talk about like database technology. And like, what, you want to become a trader? Like, what what, what are you doing here? Let's go be a trader. Like, why did did you come in this door? Well, because they want to do that because the traders were is were who makes all the money, right? Right, and we're the highest status and and all that sort of thing. And, and the the developers are the back office. So, I mean, that was certainly the case here, and and this was a bank which which I think had a higher opinion of of developers than than most. They were they were a higher status than I think most banks. But still, they they were considered back they, office. They, they, they were they were definitely lower status than traders. Yeah. Yeah. I do think a lot of people in software are in it because they like making things. Uh, I think so, but I, I think the idea that developers are in it for like a nice career and a place like where where they treat you well and where where like you know as well you also get to make cool stuff. I think that's like uh, I, I don't want to say totally fine because I don't want to like you know say that that it even needs me to say that it's totally fine. It's just like yeah, those are reasons to do a thing. And I think that the idea that like the only valid reason to be a developer is like the love of code and because you love your algorithms and stuff, I, th- I think that's just kind of crap. Oh, and I, guess and I used a... to believe it, and I, I, I very much don't anymore. I'm really interested because I actually really dislike the word hacker. Mm, yes, yes, I, I have a very similar emotion connected to just that thought. Yeah, 
But why, why have you transitioned from a like, oh, I just want to put heads down and code all the time to. Uh, well, I mean, I, I like to put head down and, and code, but I think it is like a very privileged position that I'm able to like, you know, code for the love of it. And I don't think that the industry should be restricted to, to people you know, who have that. We've talked about this before. I think building software is a lot more than just coding. Is that your problem with the, with the word hacker? Yeah. It leaves out design. Uh-huh. It leaves out quality. Mm-hmm. Developer experience, and technical writing. It leaves out even traditionally things that are kind of shunned as like project managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who needs a project manager? Right, right. Or, or, yeah, exactly. We, we sit on our Unix machines and uh, snark at, at anyone who like isn't as enlightened as us. Well, the whole Dilbert comics of like. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I'm thinking of like the I'm thinking of Richard Stallman here and like the sort of maybe a little bit Paul Graham as well. I, I talked before about rolling my eyes. This is a good example of like anytime someone uses the word hacker now, I'm just like, what? I mentor other startups. So I'm like, mm. how do I hack fundraising? Yeah. Like, build a good company with a good product. Do we think Facebook killed the word hacker, or was it like the growth hackers that killed the word hacker? It's funny because I actually really like Sean Ellis. Like he, okay. he's he's a really super guy. He's the dude that coined he, uh, growth hacker. And he actually he's told me he's backed away from it. Oh, that's interesting. But uh, does he still use the word growth, or is he just backed away specifically from growth hacker? I don't recall, but he said he was saying it to be provocative. Uh huh. Oh, that's interesting. It, got, it really got taken at face value. I think also there was a ton of it was taken as well. Marketing is terrible. What we need is growth hacking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, well, what is this growth hacking? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's like putting out content so that SEOs, that's marketing. Mm-hmm. I think it was fair to consider that like there's a different strand of of marketing, which is growth, which is like product facing or like internal to product. But there's stuff. always been product marketing. There. Yeah, I guess there has. Like it was just this attack almost on marketing. I didn't realize that that was how it was intended to be. I think it was an attack on what was perceived as some of the. Bloat of marketing, like oh, marketing just buys us pens with colors on them, right, right, or like focus on brand instead of focus on like usability. But then that also circles back, like if all you do is growth hacking, you can get into some very dark patterns that destroy your brand. Oh yeah, that's real. Uh, I've definitely used those products. Of like, it doesn't matter if everybody hates this as long as we have users. It's like no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. This is why brand is a the th- the Xfinity problem. Maybe we should talk another time about how you feel developers have changed. I remember in like 2012. Seeing a talk by Joel Spolsky where he said that Stack Overflow had like 50 million users, uh, 50 million monthlies. And at the time, the world believed that there was like 20 million developers or so. But Mm. there was much more people than that using Stack Overflow. And so it was like, who are these people? Like, what what are they doing? And a certain amount of them were like, you know, business analysts or people who wrote like SQL for a living. But you know, a large number of them were, you know, hobbyist developers or like you know, developers that weren't accounted for because they didn't go to, to college or they were in countries that like you know, wasn't wasn't taken into account in the statistics that people were quoting. And there's a question today, like how many developers are there? And like with the proliferation of boot camps, the frequency with which developers don't go to college uh, and are like self-taught, you know, obviously massive rise in both in Computer science degrees, but also like in categories of things that are like sort of developer-y, like like data science and uh, that kind of thing. It's like, how many people are there who code for a living? You know, how, how many how many developers are there? Do we know? Do you have a number? I looked at these numbers for our own market studies, and mm-hmm. it comes up to back to what you said. There's no good hard number, right? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, 
<laughs> no, numbers are doubling every five years is, is a thing that is known. Although I've heard 10 years, so I actually don't know what's known there. And, and there's also like uh, the question you touched on, what is considered code? Right, right. Like you glossed over SQL, and I was like, "Well, that I might consider that code." I consider that code. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, 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 I'm completely down with that. The reason I was sort of like separating that out a little bit is that there's a lot of people who like use SQL, but like don't write code for a living. Or no, that's not the right thing. Oh, we just uh, came up with a divide. Uh, the SQL SQL. Oh, which do you say? SQL. You say SQL. Yeah, I've always said SQL. We can still be friends. Like people who are studying data versus people building products, I guess would be would be the split there. So like SQL is often used for for studying data. Mm. It also has the use for creating data. Mm. That's probably like one of the first splits before you know before there was like front end and back end, and now there's there's even more of that. And there's also, and we're going way afield. There's a huge amount of coding that's used in science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like in sure. MATLAB. Yeah, MATLAB is is coding for sure. There's a lot of people who like claim certain things aren't coding, which uh, I don't understand. It seems like a, a weird hill to. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I mean, people always want to protect their status as like you know they are the one true whatever it is, and and so therefore it's important to say that that someone who's writing a Monte Carlo method in Excel is not coding. Yeah, even though they clearly are. They clearly are, and, and then you know I, I think people 30 years ago would be like. You know these children of the sun. They don't know garbage. <laughs> <laughs> they they only use garbage collected languages. This isn't real. Yeah, like, what is this object thing? I lay out memory. Yeah, like uh, they they don't know how to deal with memory mm-hmm. efficient. Like they just assume somebody else takes care of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, well, yeah, yeah, they, they, they do in fact, because yeah, that's that's the better way to do it. Yeah, like and they're like, you're not programming a chip, so you're not actually programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess my final statement on this is that I feel like when we're just talking through it, developer tools have just moved, and I've said this before, further and further and further up the stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the stuff you used to have to care about. Yeah, you don't it has have, all changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like now, if you're like, well, I'm really good at managing, like I remember learning an assembly language. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really good at assembly language. Now people be like, but WebAssembly is back in vogue now. So maybe your assembly language skills are like. Are you saying even old enough to be relevant again? Yeah, it's 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 all cycled back. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Baker of Dark, and Edith Harbaugh of Launch Darkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. Mm-hmm.